Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome into Box Office Bets. I am Tom. He is Brian. And uh, we're going to talk about poor things today, but uh, real quickly, Brian, first, poor, or not poor things, the color purple. You went and saw that. What did you think? Because I went and saw it a few weeks ago, a week ago, maybe, and you're fresh out of the theater uh, seeing it. So what are yeah, your thoughts? No, yeah, it's, uh, no, I liked it. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, I had the entire XD theater to myself, which yes. was certainly an experience. And I actually usually sit on the ends of theaters, but uh, I me sat too. right in the middle. And man, it is dark in the middle of the theater. I could totally see why you're supposed to sit there. Um, but I don't like sitting next to people, so that's it. But the movie itself actually was really, really great. And also, I, since I watched it in XD, um, it really helped with sort of all the musical numbers and all the songs. I thought the songs were fantastic. So I think uh, it's going to be nominated for one of its songs for sure. Um, I, have to, I, have to, I have to go back and look and see which one it is. But it definitely should. I think it should be in the running for that. But um, yeah, I think yeah. it's... Uh, I think it's got a shot at maybe maybe one or two awards but it came out really late in the year which i think is gonna work in its you know not work in its favor yeah i think coming out in the summer probably would have been better maybe yeah, thanksgiving know, right? like that, that would have been yeah. a perfect like summer film i think yeah and some of these movies get a little too late i think because i think for me at least the one that stands out is the bob marley movie that was originally slated to come out in january and you're seeing yeah. the actor um King, Kingsley Benadir, I believe his name is. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. That's right. Um, but you're seeing him on the best actor ballot, or not ballot, the best actor odds for a lot yeah. of these sports books. And my issue is it was originally slated to come out in January. It's now been pushed back to February 14th. And that'll be well after nominations are announced. So, you know, I just wish some, I, I just wish there would be a, a stricter deadline or a guideline for what you know a, a release date to the public because a lot of these movies will come out and they're just not released to the public and they'll say oh well it came out limited in december but we can't watch it till february so you know i just wish some of these I, I wish the academy would just be a little bit more strict with the public release dates for some of these films being considered as oscar right. contenders and I think another thing is this, you have to consider the sports books aren't following this nearly as closely as you think, because I know that they have like Ryan Gosling and best the best actor category still. Um, so you kind of have to be, you know, be careful that the sports books may not be following it as well. So, you know, just keep an eye out. But, yeah, I think they definitely yeah. are, they're going to have to rethink the release dates for a lot of these films um, going forward. But today yeah, we're here I to talk bike about riders. Uh, what's that? Real quick, Brian, I see the yeah. bike riders also on uh, like all these odds lists, and that that's not coming out till twenty twenty four. So right, exactly. Yeah, you got to be mindful with some of these. It's just frustrating as a better. Uh, but as you mentioned, we're here to talk about poor things. And Brian, you and I, we can't, we kind of had the same thought um, about this movie, and that's Emma Stone is doing a lot of furious jumping, uh, as she likes to call it in the film. <laughs> Right. So uh, I'll give give you the floor here. What are your thoughts on your overall take on poor things before we dive into the odds? Yeah, no. So I could definitely see why poor things got so much love coming out of um, a lot of its uh, what sort of looking for not award seasons, but uh, what's the one where you go to a lot of tea, a lot of movies? Totally forgetting it right now. Festival season. So coming out of <laughs> festival season, people loved poor things. A lot of critics. You always get kind of weary when critics are really on something. Because, you know, they, they like stuff that's different and unique and sometimes doesn't always play well with the public. But there were quite a lot of people. I, I went and saw this movie on Christmas Day, which was part of a double feature for me, which I'm glad I did it later in the day 
not to start the day off because it <laughs> had to get my head wrapped around a lot of it. But overall, I thought the movie was really good. I think the performances really stood out. There's really three main, like the three main big performances, and that's Emma Stone, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and uh, William Defoe, who I think all did a fantastic job in their roles, which this felt sort of like a really good basketball team where everybody knew what role they were playing, kind of roles, uh, where everybody knows that Emma Stone is sort of like the shooting guard. She's the Michael Jordan. Then you have, you know, Ruffalo, who's Pippen. And then you have, like, you know, Defoe, who's Rodman, who's just kind of... I like uh, that. Good I analogy. think that was actually a great sports analogy for this particular talk. But, no, overall, I think the performance is really fantastic. The aesthetic wasn't as off-putting as I thought it was going to be. I'm not a huge fan of, for example, uh, like Tim Burton films. Uh, this isn't a Tim Burton film, but it has that sort of gothic sort of look to it because it's like sort of that Victorian era. But I was able to sort of slip into it, and I was able to kind of go along with you know the aesthetic of the film, which I think is going to help it in the below the line categories. But I think this yeah. is you know a real contender in terms of if this is your taste, I think this could you know really go up against you know Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer. Uh, so yeah, I think, and then also Emma Stone is you know the you know one of the favorites, which the odds have moved since we've you know started this pod uh, for Best Actress, which I think is going to be one of the most interesting uh, races this year. Yeah, 196 nominations. Wow. Uh, Poor Things currently has, and that's not including the Academy Awards, where I'm sure it's going to get a lot of nominations. Um, you mentioned the Tim Burton style. I think the production design felt a lot like Tim Burton, uh, where mm -hmm. you had these real elaborate... I, first of all, I think the production design, um, it's going to get a nomination for... It might be, oh, yeah. actually. Uh, cinematography, hairstyle, makeup. I think visual effects, it has a great chance of winning as well i always think of the bubbles william defoe kept blowing uh oh, oh my and God. burping out throughout the movie like that's everybody laughed in the theater i was in oh it was great stuff uh yeah. we've mentioned the prost um prosthetics the scars uh the body deformations uh of william defoe which we think will play well in best hairstyle and best makeup category um and we've actually talked about that in future podcasts I always bring up Crimes of the Future. Um, it didn't get nominated, but it was shortlisted, and it was because of the body deformations and things like that. Right, so of course. I, I think, yeah, I'm with you. These lower categories, it's going to do really, really well, and if not win, at least see a lot of nominations for. Um, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get a best song out of this film. It felt like a, I, I would have yeah. loved to have heard who came up with the best song and what that would have sounded like for this I know. film. Um but Emma Stone can sing. She can do she it if can she can sing. To. She can. She can do anything. She's so talented. So yeah. let's go. Let's start with Best Picture because the odds yeah. are, they've kind of moved all over the place, <laughs> all over these major right. markets right now. Uh, Best Picture. Poor Things was actually behind Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was plus four hundred. They are now both plus six hundred, uh, as yeah. what I'm looking at with DraftKings. For me, Poor Things feels a bit too artsy uh, for the Best Picture Award. We've talked about how you need a good balance between both art and just being able to you know, be accepted by the general public. Maybe people who don't go to the movies all the time that didn't go to the theater school and things like that. Um, you need to have a good balance between both. I would mentioned to you, this to you before we hopped on and started recording, and that's two people walked out of the movie theater that <laughs> I was in for Poor Things. And I think there's going to be a lot of that. So I don't love it for Best Picture. Um, I think the odds moving six to one is, you know, a critical response, which I understand. It does well at these precursor awards. But to me, it still feels like Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon 
would do better in this market. And so at six to one, if you want some value, feel free to take it, but it's not one that I recommend taking. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, it's, it's moved up quite a bit. And I think this was kind of one of the ones I was talking about that might steal Oppenheimer because of its popularity with a lot of the critics and of course the Academy as well. Cause remember that the Academy itself is not critics. It's a lot of, you know, people who work in the industry, but really not critics themselves. It's producers, studio heads, you know, actors, other production people. So that's important to note. Um, but yeah, I think it's six to one. It's not bad, but I would still go with maybe Killers of the Flower Moon over Poor Things in the best uh, best picture category. But right now, the one that I think would like sneak past it is maybe the Holdovers at plus 800. Yeah, Because that one's moved kind of finagled its way i think it was 12 to 1 for a while yeah and now it was it's 10 to 1 yeah 10 to 1 and now it's moved up to 8 to 1 which is sort of striking distance again i think oppenheimer is by far and away the best film of the year i actually so i finally bought the physical copy and watched it at home and man does it does it hold up like at home it's what's really, that really now for you six six yeah, views I, of oppenheimer I probably watched it at least six times now like yeah. including the theater and I've watched bits and pieces of it here at home. Like I can't fire it up and watch, a th- you know, three hours of it at home. But I can have it on in the background, the background just kind of running. Yeah, I but get that. it's it just looks beautiful on on screen. And what's really cool is it kind of get the different, you know, really get all the textures out of it, which I think is 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 really good for me. That's what I like, and it has all the things I want from it. But other than that, I think Holdovers is sort of the quiet sort of you. little engine that can because yeah. people love Paul Giamatti. They really enjoy the story itself. It's very, you know, approachable. Um, so you hit the I nail think, on the head with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the story. Holdovers is there. Yeah, I think Poor Things, and, I think, is, is, is a wild long shot. But I think at six to one, it sounds really stupid that I think you kind of lost the value <laughs> on Poor Things, which is kind of funny. But I think, you know, I like Holdovers at eight to one. I just, I just think, I think poor things again, it's too, it's too abstract, I think. And, yeah. you know, I, and what, what I find the people who walked out of the theater of my theater, I won't go into the details. It wasn't because the movie was abstract. I think at a certain point it just made them uncomfortable. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that vibe might be a little overwhelming, but I think with, when you rank the way that the best picture is voted on is a ranking system. Yeah. So I think it could, I, I'm with you, it could get enough two votes yeah. where Oppenheimer and Killers are getting ones and threes and then the two sneaks up and gets the percentage right. exactly. needed to win yeah. best picture. So I, I think that's very possible. But you hit the nail on the head for me with holdovers um, and it's that, it, the story. And we've talked, it has very, it very much has Coda vibes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... For me, we've talked about this a lot, which is why I like Spider-Man too. The the stories, it is what it is. You, you know, you, you can have an opinion if you like it or not, but the stories that pluck the heartstrings of movie viewers that feel good, that make your heart full, they tend to do well, and they have the last few years. You go back to you go back, maybe not Parasite, but <laughs> Nomadland, <laughs> Nomadland, Coda, and everything ever all at once are all kind of feel good you know, hopeful, inspiring stories. And for me, when I look at these four Oppenheimer, poor things, killers of the flower moon, the holdovers, I think it's the holdovers that fits that bill more than any of them. And so I'm kind of with you eight to one. It's moving. It's a feel good movie. It came out Christmas. A lot of people enjoy it. I'm kind of with you on that. Not enough for me to put over Oppenheimer report or uh, killers of the flower moon, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with, I think if there's value out there, it might be holdovers. Uh, oh, for sure. And then um, important to note that Killers of the Flower Moon, I believe, is coming out on January 12th on Apple TV Plus. That's big. Yeah. Um, which is a huge deal. Like yeah. if you're able to watch, I think, I think we're catching up to like, hey, this is like the formula of how to get votes. If yep. you have to get these things out in streaming or physical form or however you want to do it, um, I think that's important because then voters can watch it. They do it, and it's good to go. Um, I mean, Oppenheimer, though, really pushing the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, physical media where you have to buy it. But I think that's just perfect. It's part of the whole thing. Yeah, but, I mean, Oppenheimer and Barbie both don't need to be on a streaming platform. I agree. In fairness. I agree. They, got, they got people to the theaters. Yeah. So they did their job. And to what you're saying, this is a great segue to Best Director because Saltburn yeah. came out on Amazon Prime. We talked about this last week. Uh, suddenly we see Emerald Fennel's odds for Best Director shoot up to 12 to 1. Yeah, she, she, I love Saltburn, love Emerald. I don't think she really should be nominated for the for, <laughs> no. for the film. That's just me personally. Um, I think it was a great film, and I thought she did a great job. But for being a top five director, I'm just not sure. And I think the odds moved because it went on Amazon Prime, and now all these yeah. people during the holidays uh, can it. sit around with the family and watch a very uncomfortable story unfold in Saltburn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now we go to Best Director, and we see. Uh, your your boy Yorgos. I know you love you some Yorgos at yeah. five to one. Now I came out of poor things. I was a little disappointed because uh, for the hype that that he was getting behind this, I wanted something a little bit more grand. So mm -hmm. I still like Nolan. I still like Scorsese. I like Gerwig a little bit more. I like Celine Song for Past Lives more than Yorgo. What is your take on his directing in this film and just his odds in general? It seems like he'll get nominated, but I think I'm going to pass on his five to one odds. Yeah, so I have to disagree. I think Yorgos Latimas did a good job with this film in terms of keeping it on the tracks, just because it's telling this, you know it's telling this very specific story that can get really weird, and it's really you can kind of lose your like just lose your way in the in the in the in in the story itself. But I think this is obvious. This is using it as an allegory, using Emma Stone's character as an allegory of sort of like a woman's sort of stages of life. In terms of, you know, figuring out your sexuality, then figuring out like, you know what, now I'm done with this. Now I want to learn more about myself and my place in the world. And I got all those parts of the film, which I usually like uh, what's uh, everything ever all at once. I just didn't get it. I really didn't get that movie at all. But Do you this get one, it yet still? Are still you don't still... get it. I've watched it four times. <laughs> I still don't understand the stupid movie. Um, but anyways, with this one, I was able to get all that. And I think that's, in, you know, that it has to you go give a nod to the director for keeping me in the film, you know, really showing the points he wanted to show. Again, he's going up against Christopher Nolan, who I think is just far away going to win this. I think he's won all the major awards in terms of, the Best Director Critics Awards. Really, you could just pick one. He's won it. It's really been between him and Christopher... Uh, sorry, between Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese for a lot of these Critics Awards. Yeah, makes Latima, sense. Latimus hit, hit a lot of the early precursors, which weren't the big cities. So I don't, you know, I don't think he's really got a shot at this point. I would just stay away from the director category. It's yeah. fun to talk about. But um, I think Nolan's got this wrapped up. I think it's sort of like an impending thing. Uh, also, really quick, just back to back to Barbie really quick. I think actually Barbie being out on HBO Max or Max has kind of hurt it, uh, at least for me, because I really like the movie. But I found out that watching the film, I really can do without the middle part of the film. Like I can really get I like Barbie Land. I like when they go back to Barbie Land with when Ryan Gosling turns into his uh, Dojo Casa House. Uh, but I really like don't like the middle. So maybe that one is one that, I you know, I maybe... 
they maybe don't watch it as much as you think you should watch it. But anyways, I, I kind of took us off the rails there. But yeah, I like Chris Nolan and director. <laughs> maybe a, is that a shot at Greta? Is that, uh, is that no? I think no. I think she did a great job. I just the fir- the middle part of the movie, I'm just kind of bored, and I want to go back to Barbie Land. Um, real quick, while we're on Barbie, uh, real quick, over under two and a half uh, nominations for best song from the movie Barbie. Uh, I I say so two and a half under. So you I don't, think I'm just Ken's left out? <sighs> no, I. So th- the thing Dance is, the night. I think Dance the Night is out. I, I think I'm with the, you. So yeah. honestly, it's the best song of the three. It's the best but, song if you want to dance the night. Yeah, it's the away. best actual like <laughs> tune you want. Like I'll throw that. I'll throw that on like in the, in oh, the, yeah, car, in the car and listen to it. But I think in terms of like this particular thing, I think uh, I'm just Ken should be in, and then the Billie Eilish song "What Was I Made For" should also yeah. be in. Uh, yeah, but that that was a good question. If all yeah. three go in, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to say two because I think they like to yeah. diversify this. I was category. just going to say, I think there's enough good songs out there that they're going to yeah. want to put. Um, there's okay, Barbara, you had three contenders. We're going to we're going to put two in because there's some others out there. We need to feed everybody, right. not just you, Greta. Um, exactly. so, um, let's move now to another fun category that we get to talk about. Let's go to Best Actress. I know that this is kind of the one that you were pumped about um, because it seems to be a two-headed race between yeah. Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone. Um, you know, I'm pulling for a long shot in Tiana Taylor. Right. However, I do think Emma Stone gave the best performance of the year. I noticed her odds with DraftKings went from minus 110 to plus 100. She is now the co-favorite with Lily Gladstone, although with Bet365, BetMGM, and yep, just those two. Uh, Emma Stone is still at minus 110. You mentioned before we hopped on, Gladstone took an award in New York. That's probably why DraftKings moved her to plus 100. What do you see out of this market? I know you're really high on Gladstone, but let's kind of focus on Emma Stone real quick. What do you make of her performance, her odds, and then uh, feel free to go off about uh, how great Lily was and killed No, definitely. No, I mean, I think this this award could go to either of these actresses and it would be warranted. I would be super okay if it went to Emma Stone where she would win her second, Lily Gladstone win her first, which would also be a super historical, you know, historical moment that um, she would win because she would, I believe, be the first uh, Native American woman to win uh, Best Actress. Uh, so that's a, that's a huge deal. But that I is. think Emma Stone is worthy of winning this award. I think it should be neck and neck just because Emma Stone there's so much weight put on her shoulders in this film. She's not in every scene, but she's in a majority of the film, like, or they're talking about her. Everything revolves around Emma Stone. And one of the reasons of you being a lead is that the, basically the whole story revolves around you. And I think she takes that uh, wonderfully, uh, especially when she has to go through all the stages of, you know, basically being an infant to being, you know, an adolescent and, you know, becoming, you know, a 20 year old woman and then becoming, you know, more introspective. I think she really hits all that, and she just has the gravitas that you want to follow her along on this entire romp that she's going through. And I don't know. I just think she does an absolutely fantastic job in every aspect of the film. Uh, the only the, the biggest thing is is like Lily Gladstone is just has that has that thing I'm looking for in terms of like a heart. And I really enjoyed how she interacted with DiCaprio. It was a very complex story, but. I mean, Emma Stone is just doing so many things in this film that I, I think it warrants her being the uh, the plus 100, you know, co-favorite. I see Carrie Mulligan's four to one. I thought she was fantastic and maestro. Do we see her kind of, 
I don't know, throw throw a grenade in the pack here and make it a three way race, or or do we think she she'll get nominated, yeah. but she she won't win this? I, I think the problem is there's lots of like negativity around uh, Maestro in terms of the film itself, which might hurt her odds, even though she was great in the film. But I think her the the movie itself being sort of panned a little bit in terms of the the movie as a whole is not good for her. I think also like that I've I've thought about this the past couple of days is that Maestro should have been released in a theater. It just feels like when something's released on Netflix, it gets lost. Like Rustin, I feel like gets lost in the mix where it doesn't feel grand enough to go up against things like, you know, poor things and killers of the flower moon. So I think that might hurt her a little bit, you know, plus 400 is probably your best, you know, value in terms of these two actresses. But I think it's a two horse race. I think yeah. it's Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone. Let's fight it out. I'm, I'm I, I say it. you shop. I mean, at this point you could grab because you have minus value for Emma Stone with BetMGM and Bet365. And mm. you have plus value on DraftKings. I say you should probably go ahead and take Emma with DraftKings at plus 100, then yeah. go to BetMGM or Bet365, uh, whichever is You know, that's a great point. That's and then great hedge point. with Gladstone. Like, why wouldn't you do that at this point? Um, especially yeah. if you think it's between those two, which, I mean, quite frankly, it should be. And again, if you're looking for a value play i i don't think it would be carrie mulligan again i think it'd be tiana taylor uh and she's you know what that's right i, from I 40 love to that one point. to 22 to one so and the thing is a lot of so this is another weird kind of weird thing um is that these like end of year lists where they say like most underrated film and this a lot of these underrated films also obama you know put it on his list a thousand to one was one of his favorite films he saw this year which, I mean, Obama's nice. not like a film critic. No, we'll but take it's a the huge... endorsement where we can yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I've heard a lot of other people talk about 1001, which means people will go watch it now. So it kind of have this like this crazy sort of circle of life because it came out really early in the year last March. year. Yeah, March. And now it's yep. kind of coming around because it's on these people's list and we're trying to watch things because we're kind of in a dead zone. The nominations haven't come out yet. It comes out, I believe, end of January, January yep. 23rd, I believe. And Tiana Taylor might sneak in. She might have a that yeah, one. I think what was that might. one girl from the the Wiseboro? There we go. Oh, uh, you talking about Andrea Wiseboro? Yeah, no, it I, might I, have I, one of those. Where just kind of like just interesting why it goes, but like she deserves it. But twenty twenty two to one. I think you're. I think that's not a bad idea in terms of a long shot. The long shot, I'm, right? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I think long shot is perfectly fine. And like, yeah. don't be surprised if we see something. I think similar this year to the years past where you saw Andrea Day win Best Actress and then Frances McDormand won Best Actress for another award show. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you might see, like you mentioned, Lily Gladstone took an award in New York. Now she's plus 100. Well, Emma Stone is racking up awards as well. We mentioned yeah. Tiana Taylor won an award in Toronto. So I think you're starting to see um, some complex voting in yeah, the Best it's... Actress market based on these precursor awards. So yeah, I think circle that SAG date. Because that's the big one. You got to get your bet in for this market before the SAGs. Because if the well, SAGs yeah. come out and let's just say Gladstone wins, she's going to be minus like 250, 300 yeah. the very next morning. And all the value is gone. So I recommend hedging the two. Uh, take Stone with DraftKings. Head over to another book. Uh, Gladstone is getting plus value there. You got that hedge. And then if you want a long shot, skip over Mulligan and... Uh, Go to Tiana Taylor. I think that's yeah, a good betting attack, for sure. honestly. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's going to be a fun category. Yeah, I know. You're looking forward to it. Um, yeah. I know you like Ruffalo for Best Supporting Actor, too. Uh, I like him and Defoe. You could take, you, you could 
talk yeah. to me for an hour for both and i i would just right. sit here and nod yeah agree yeah. agree agree they're both terrific so let's look at this market now downey juniors it's actually moved up a little bit he was minus 165 now minus 175 charles melton uh you know we both hate that he's moved up to three to one the good yeah, news ridiculous. is with other books he's still at five to one uh DraftKings, he's three to one de niro 350 gosling four to one and then we have the pair of poor thing fellas uh yeah. ruffalo and defoe at six to one and 10 to 1 respectively. I love Coleman Domingo at 14 to 1 for the color purple. You just oh, came he was out the color purple. Yeah, so since that's fresh out of your mind, give me your thoughts on this market as a whole. Give me your thoughts on Ruffalo and Defoe with their odds. And then, I mean, do you like Domingo to get nominated? Because I think Coleman Domingo was absolutely fantastic in the film. He's yeah, a standout th- for me. Oh, yeah, he 100% deserves to be in it because it's everything what this category says it is. He's a supporting character, but really makes a mark. And is really pushing the story. He's the he's like one of the main he's the main antagonist, he's the antagonist in color purple. Right, yeah. So he's really pushing the story forward. And it is actually very complex what happens at the end of the film, where I'm like, really? Like that's like they're okay with each other? That's so interesting that it's like that's like a real life sort of thing. I mean, it's very, you know, it's it's terrible that, you know, he was, you know, physical and all this domestic abuse and you know, everything, but it's just so complex. The character, the way that he plays it is just so well done. Uh, but in terms of this category, let's just, okay, let's just map it out. Rob Downey Jr. Let's nominated. Yeah. I think De Niro should be nominated as well. I do too. Yeah. Let's yeah, just so say those he's the, getting nominated. Yeah. So and if, those and if he two, doesn't, we can yell about it. Like, um, yes, like you. Eddie Redmayne for the good nurse slasher. Not yeah. getting nominated. Oh, 100%. So the two Roberts they're in. So that's three, cho- three choices left available. So, I think Mark Ruffalo's getting in. He's doing all the things, kissing the babies. And I think he deserves it just because he's in a lot more of the film and doing a lot more. um, He's doing a a lot more things in it. He's doing a lot more, you know, crazy stuff. So Mark Ruffalo's in. So that's three. Yeah. So now we have to figure out the last two. We're either putting in William Defoe again. uh, So we have two poor things or we go. So this is what I want. This is, this is what I want to happen. I want, the two Roberts, I want Ruffalo because I said that he was the guy. Uh, I want Ryan Gosling in because he's in the biggest movie of the year. And Coleman Domingo. I like it. You get one like of the poor things, five. guys. Yeah. And, and the thing that is, Coleman Domingo. What's that? That would be my five. Hell yeah. Look at this. But the thing is, I really, need, I really want Coleman Domingo to be nominated for something this year uh, because he's a supporting actor for Color Purple and he's also lead actor for Rustin. And... It's going to be tough for him in both those categories, but he needs to be. If he's not nominated for either one of these, there's going to be so much backlash, I think, for the Academy if Coleman Domingo is not nominated for either of these awards. I, I honestly think he's deserving of both. Um, yes, I, I think he deserves to be in both yeah. too. This isn't just like, you know, a token thing. It's like he needs to be nominated, no, but he should be based off of the performance he gave for both films. I mean, 100%. He ca- I would argue he carried both films, quite frankly. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I man. mean, oh, really. Like, Talking, let's just talk color purple really quick. Like, <laughs> I think Fantasia is kind of like out of her, you know, not out of her, out of her depth, but she's not like you know a seasoned actress like you know Coleman Domingo is. So he really needs to prop her up sometimes in the in the in the scenes to really give it gravitas. And I think he's just great. In he's that fantastic. Film. He's just really good. I think I think you're only. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both Ruffalo and Defoe get in. If mm-hmm. that happens, I do believe De Niro might be out because what I'm reading which I know would be a shame. Um, someone's going to get left out, though. We both think yeah. it should be an easy Melton. Right. Um, but everyone loves Charles Melton for no. crying in a few scenes. So yeah. 
he might get in. And if he gets in and then both Ruffalo and Defoe get in, what you're looking at is De Niro and Domingo are out, probably. I don't see a God, universe where Gosling is left out of here. So I think you get RDJ. I think you get Gosling. Um, and then from there, it's a toss-up, even though you and I both feel that De Niro should not only be a lock, he should be a threat to win this category. Um, yeah, I, I would think, argue it's his best performance in a very, very, very long time. Oh, and the, I would say one of his best performances in like the last 15 years. I was actually like rewatching yeah. uh, parts of The Irishman, and it's a three and a half hour movie. And that movie's so, so weird. So people say it's get better so on the rewatch. I'm like, no, this movie's like not good. I'm sorry. This movie, I, they, the re aging and the de aging thing really throws me. But I agree. <laughs> Robert De Niro was absolutely awesome, like throwing his fastball in. Um, in Flower of the Moon. This is a, this is going to be actually a really interesting category too to see who gets nominated cuz it's yeah. so packed this particular category. But we right feel now. like Downey Jr is going to take it. So like we sit here and we we talk about all these odds for best supporting actor and they're all nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah. nice to talk about. But are we recommending a play on Ruffalo or Defoe cuz I don't think that's smart. I mean, if this was a yeah. do you bet them to get nominated? market then i think we start talking about wagering these two yeah but because it's for the outright win the uh, straight up win Mm -hmm. i don't see either of them taking uh bobby downey down so no i only uh, so i can i can see denier not winning this um unfortunately just like the way the the voters brains work uh so the only other person other than robert downey jr i think can win this is mark ruffalo so Play him at, I would play, put a little something on him at six to one because I think he's going to move up the odds board once you know poor things is out a little bit longer. Maybe it racks up some awards, uh, just a little 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 smidge, uh, just because he's doing a lot in the film and is really a, a supporting role. I think Defoe is good, but he's more of like the anchor of you know the other characters where he sort of is there to help push along. Emma Stone's story. Mark Ruffalo is there to mess up her story, uh, which and then she like sort of parries it, which is fun. It's sort of like a joust. So I like I like that. It was a different role for Ruffalo too. It's like I don't know. It's like a fun role that I don't really see. Yeah, yeah, like he he had a blast playing it. You could tell this slimy lawyer. Yeah, it was really fantastic. Um, I look at the supporting actor though. I think I do think Gosling has a has a chance to win. Um, and that's just because of the popularity, the fanfare. The issue I have with Gosling, though, winning is that if they give Ryan Gosling an award and not Margot Robbie um, <laughs> for a movie that's dealing with feminism, it would be that awesome. would it'd be so be funny. Good. Yeah, be so... Uh, they might call also Will like Smith all of his back to slap somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of his interviews he's been giving uh, is is hilarious. Like they asked him, like, "Hey, if uh, yeah. I'm just Ken is nominated, would you you know go perform?" And he says. Well, I don't know. Do you get paid for that? Uh, do they drive you there? I haven't even been invited yet. Uh, just the way that he's talking about it is so not smug, but just so hilarious. Yeah, so, they did an interview with him and Margot Robbie, and Margot's explaining for like a minute and a half the 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 script, like the deeper meaning behind Barbie. And then they're like, "Is that true, Ryan?" And he's like, "I'm just Ken. I, I just follow what she does." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, that was a good answer. I just no, follow that was her." Good. Yeah, he does it well. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's move to some of the secondary markets now. Cool. Um, adapted screenplay. This is a beast of a category. Um, it it is. could win. I think you and I came to a consensus agreement. Killers of the Flower Moon would probably get the adapted screenplay category if Oppenheimer gets Best Picture. If Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon gets Best Picture, 
Oppenheimer probably gets adapted. So there's a lot of good adapted screenplays, poor things. Uh, Barbie, which has been officially announced as an adapted screenplay. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Boy and the Heron. list goes on and on. Um, what do we think about poor things in the adapted screenplay category? I think it gets nominated. Uh, I think it, honestly, I do think it could win if, uh, if Oppenheimer takes best, best picture. Yeah. I mean, so I'm looking at varieties list right now, which is kind of interesting because right now they do have poor things as the projected winner in this category, which is interesting. Um, so I like, I like the correlation that if Oppenheimer wins, but this is kind of funny because uh, adapted gets nom- you know, gets announced before best picture, but if Oppenheimer is going to win best picture, I feel like it's going to go to one of these other ones. And again, like I think it's between poor things and killers of the flower it, moon. It is. Yeah. I mean, Bar- Barbie's going to be thrown in there because you know, it's, it's Barbie. Um, I think all of us strangers gets kicked out. Uh, I know a lot of people like the film, the film heads are like, no, like I, I don't want it there because I want all of us strangers in there. It's not big enough movie. Sorry, guys. Barbie's got to get nominated in this category. So I think it's going to be American Fiction, Close the Flower, and Oppenheimer, Poor Things. And Poor Things has a real shot. So I'm going to be really excited when these um, odds come out for Adapted to jump on Poor Things or Close of the Flower Moon if they're at plus money. Um, if Oppenheimer's at plus money, I'll throw money in there too just because I think it's you know the best movie of the year. But if Poor Things or Killers of the Flower Moon is you know a good, a good amount, I'll sprinkle a little maybe on both of those. I think for best adapted screenplay, there's a few others uh, that could sneak in. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. I think Ferrari is at the top of the list. Um, I think Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I think Wonka, The Killer. Um, if you want to get real, you know, long shot, uh, Burial, Blackberry, Godzilla minus one. I, I, I do think that I'm kind of with you where I think American fiction might get in. The issue is that not everyone has seen it. And again, it kinda, and it kind of goes to the all of us strangers thing is that, you know, is, is it going to be popular enough to warrant a nomination when literally, I mean, I'm not saying Godzilla minus one is going to get a, is going to get a nomination, but Godzilla minus one was supposed to be out of American theaters the first week of December. We're sitting here January 4th and it's still in theaters because people yeah. go see it and it's making money. So like, and then I see like the list of movies I rattled off. Ferrari, Are You There, Guys, Me, Margaret, Nyad, Wonka. The Killer is getting a ton of buzz right now. I, the Color Purple. I think there's a lot in this category where these movies like American Fiction, All of Us Strangers, it kind of it, it hurts that it's not out yet because you have so many contenders that have been viewed by critics and the public alike. With all that said, I'm with you. I think, I think it's Poor Things or Killers of the Flower Moon who wins this category. Because I'm on the belief that Oppenheimer takes best picture. Therefore, you and I sit here and we say, well, this is kind of a secondary award. Like, oh, you didn't win best picture. Here's your yeah. screenplay award. And I think that goes to Poor Things or Killers of the Flower Moon. So I think circle this market. When nominations come out, odds will come out. Hopefully Oppenheimer will be the minus value favorite for adapted screenplay. Yeah. Then you could strike on Killers or Poor Things. And you can even hedge that yeah. Potentially. So, yeah, 100%. And I think this is something that maybe people don't know about the Oscars is that whole like second place kind of trophy thing. They love to do it to Quentin Tarantino. They don't give him best picture, but they'll give him the best screenplay because that's what he really <laughs> cares about. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think I think this is one of those places where you can really attack um, in this in this yep. market. But, you know, a couple, you know, are you there? God, it's me. Margaret is in the next in line for variety, which I think is becoming sort of the sexy favorite coming in is just it was earlier in the year that was released. But people have really sort of got, you know clung on to it. They really enjoy it. Um, so you know, 
that might get in there. Zone of interest is kind of teetered in the being in the nomination, being not in the nomination. It's another one. Um, yeah. That one, that one's just going to be really interesting. Blackberry is on their next in line list. So I'm really happy. That Blackberry is, yeah. I'm really happy that Blackberry has gotten a lot of buzz. And then also the supporting actor, uh, I always forget his name. Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton. He's getting a lot of push, uh, to get I mean, into if that you category. go back and you watch the BlackBerry trailer, even um, the little facial expressions from Glenn Howerton are mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's top notch of the year. Like, and I didn't realize that the first time I watched the film because I'm so focused on him yelling at nerds for 90 minutes. <laughs> right. But then when you like go back and watch the film or even watch the trailer and you notice his little facial expressions, it's uh, it's elite, I would say. And so, yeah, yeah I'm I'm really interested to see how BlackBerry does. I don't think it's going to get uh, in the adapted screenplay. Um, no, and field, now that, that we just had the whole conversation about supporting actor, and we we didn't talk about him at all. So but that's how crowded that is. It, it's again, very crowded. If Glenn Howerton gets in, he's right now thirty-five to one odds. If he gets nominated, those are still dropping to like fifty-five to one, eighty to one, because he will be the fifth lowest odds of the five nominations. He'll be yeah. the the underdog of them all. So 100%. Yeah. Um so all right, let's move to cinematography because I yes. think this is one poor things is I have it ranked number 1 right ahead of Maestro. Uh anytime a film utilizes black and white, I know I know the 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 film <laughs> voters love that shit, so I throw that way <laughs> at the top. Uh both Poor Things and Maestro did those well. I know you like Oppenheimer. I'm sure that'll get nominated along with Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. It feels like a heavyweight category this year. What are your thoughts on uh, Poor Things for Best Cinematography? I think it wins. Ooh, you think it wins? That's very interesting. So yeah. right now, uh, Variety has them on the outside looking in. I think it's going to be nominated. I think it's Salt. they have Saltburn as one of their top five nominees. I think Saltburn's okay. getting kicked. Um, and I think Poor Things definitely goes in. Uh, I, I think it's definitely a contender. I think really you're looking at you're looking at Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Poor Things. Those are the three. I, you said that already, but I would say those are the three that have to contend. Um, I think in terms of just you know a, a wide group of people, Poor Things is the most unique of the three, 100%. Just because of how it looks, it looks very – it's sort of like that Victorian sort of gothic look of the entire film. It's very interesting. And if you get a lot of voters who really like that style, this can definitely contend. Um, I'm more partial to what like Oppenheimer and Close the Flower Moon looks like. So really, this is a very much a taste award on what your taste is. But I mean, just saying Oppenheimer at home still looks great. But I think Poor <laughs> Things can really do it here. So if the, you can get some plus value on Poor Things, go ahead and take a shot just because I think it's between that and, you know, two other movies. It's a good spot. Yeah, I think I think when nominations come out, I think the two that I would look for are Poor Things and again, Maestro. And yeah. Again, you mentioned this is a very, very much a taste category, as much of these secondary categories are, because mm-hmm. cinematographers are voting for best cinematography. Uh, oh, yeah, costume yeah, that's designers right. yeah. are voting for best costume design. Hairstyle yeah. makeup people are voting for hairstyle makeup. So a lot of these secondary markets are, uh, who, you know, taste buds, basically. Right. What, and the one point. thing we've learned over the last few years, and I think this was true with Mank, uh, the best cinematography, if, if you utilize the black and white, the, they love the, the cinematography nerds love that. And Mank <laughs> yeah. was all black and white. It was the underdog at plus 350 coming in for best cinematography and it won. Um, and so I always look. So if I'm splitting hairs here, which I am between poor things, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower and, and Maestro, um, yeah. I go, I tend to lean towards the films that utilized black and white style. Right. Poor things also did something that I, I've only seen in one other movie this year. And that movie is Rye Lane. Terrific movie on Hulu. The wide angle 
mm-hmm. shot um, where it's almost like I forget what the can what, what the stop what it's called, but it's a it's a wide angle view, uh, almost like you're watching a panoramic view. Yeah, yeah. And so I think poor things kind of utilize the most styles of cinematography yeah. in the film, which is another reason I give it a, a one up over these other films. I think if you're looking for a long, long shot, I think the holdovers was good. I think Ferrari was really good. Uh, Napoleon and your movie, the iron claw. Those would be some other ones that I lump into the top as well. Yeah. So I'm actually looking at the 90th Academy Awards, which that was um, when uh, what's the word? Uh, Shape of water one. Shape it's of water. actually a very interesting year because The Shape of Water, which everybody considers a very weird film, very. Um, super out there, uh, yeah. won over Dunkirk, which is you know fitting that Christopher Nolan was in that uh, awards race as well. So I kind of just want to go and look at like the the cinematography in that one as well, the cinematography category there. So give me a second. You can maybe yeah. fill if you want as I talk about that. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so, well, this was actually kind of a funny year. So... Uh, it was uh, the nominees were Blade Runner, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and Shape of Water. So Shape of Water lost out to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, Blade Runner. The funny maybe. thing is, is that Hoytema van Hoytema, who was the cinematographer for um, uh, for Oppenheimer, was also the cinematographer for Dunkirk. So oh, wow. I wanted to use like a comp here, but I can't because Blade Runner came in and Roger Deakins won. So that doesn't help <laughs> me at all. Blade Runner but, screwed it up. Yeah, so it's going to be in, it's going to be interesting to see where, you know, this is a perfect example. A lot of the times the cinematography award doesn't a lot of times correlate with best picture. So No, it doesn't. Not all the time. It's going to be so interesting, uh, but I Yeah. I, I, I think the really, four yeah. you circle are Poor Things, Maestro, Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. Like those yeah. to me are all viable takes. Right. Let's see what the odds are when this market drops because yeah. I think I think you could get value on either of the the films that use black and white. I'm telling yeah. you, this black and white thing is for the sure. real thing with the with these yeah. with these camera I, uh, So I think that. I know who's going to be the favorite. Who do you think is going to be the favorite when the uh, odds drop for cinematography? Yeah, uh, depends on who's nominated. But again, I'm, I have poor things at my number one, so I, yeah. I got to stick I think, with my guns right now. I think uh, I think Oppenheimer or John Wick be Chapter no- Four. No, yeah, <laughs> I think Oppenheimer Hoytema van Hoytema will be nominated um, as the like the favorite. I think he'll be like minus one twenty. So he'll he'll be like a minus number. Um, so if you like poor things, it'll probably that's be a fair. plus number. I think that's a good a good place to fire um, on this particular category. Right. If I see Meister's twelve to one, might take a flyer on that mm. if it gets nominated. We'll see. Right. I think. I think also for me, poor things uh, as we transition to production design. I think it's number one in production design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Wonka number one. I had Barbie number one for a while. Oppenheimer up there as well. Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, what are your thoughts on the production design? Because I think this is another one poor things can can take. I mean, the production design was insane for. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a period piece, which is always you know plays really Helpful. well with the Academy voters because you're sort of taking this world and putting it into this. But really, you have that added <laughs> aspect of this is a Victorian era sort of film with also the gothic aspects of it and all the props and sort of the weirdness of the world. And they're adapting a book, obviously. So bringing that book to life, I think, is going to be really important. So I, yeah, they have poor things, you know, ranked number one in production design, along with Barbie, Oppenheimer. There's Killers of the Flower Moon. They still have Napoleon in there, but I think that's you know the fifth spot can really go either way. But yeah, I have Wonka over Napoleon. I actually had Napoleon somewhat high. Where is where do I, I have Napoleon eight? So I have it in right. my top ten. But uh, I think it it kind of falls into the asteroid city realm where it was good, but. Yeah. 
there's a lot of good ones ahead of it and it's Definitely. probably going to get missed out. No, yeah, but I think I think Poor Things got a really good shot here. I think it's yeah. it, it's I think it's actually going to be a really interesting category, but uh man, Poor Things, Barbie, Oppenheimer. Where did they have Kill Wonka? Uh Wonka's in the top 10. So okay, they're like it's like in 7th. So I, I, and it's I also been very too. popular, you know, been yeah. super popular. Oh man, it's a tough category, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I am happy that Poor Things is ranked number one with them. Uh, that mm-hmm. adds a little conviction to me. I think it opens as the favorite. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, if, if it does, I might sprinkle something on Oppenheimer just because I their production design is you know, very – it's a lot of realism, and they built a whole town for them to do it in. But I think Poor Things should be the number one, and if it wins, I would not be surprised. I what think about it, costume it design? Because I actually have it at number one. For costume design as well. Like, I think Poor Things is going to take a lot of these design awards. It's a very design-friendly movie, uh, if you check it right. out. So, I think costume design, it takes number one. I have a lot up there, though. A lot of the same movies we've just rattled off. Wonka, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yeah, so I, I think Poor Things, honestly, could walk away with this pretty easily. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think the only other one that was maybe shortlisted that might go up go up against it that's predicted as like the winner on Variety is Barbie. But really, yeah, it's Barbie, like Barbie, Poor Things. It's one, two. And really just because the volume of, of outfits and um, that they had to adapt from being a doll into like a human person uh, is very interesting. <laughs> I think that's unique. But again, like Poor Things is a is a. Uh, keep forgetting the word uh it's a period piece period which again piece, when yep. it comes to co- a costume design they love to give it to period pieces which yeah. these are actually almost all period pieces like poor things period piece because of flowerman period uh period piece oppenheimer are you there it's me margaret is in there like top five maestro is in there napoleon yeah, I like maestro color yeah. purple these are all period pieces except barbie so i mean if Barbie opens up as a favorite, I think Poor Things, you should jump on it because I think that definitely has a shot. So I actually have Color Purple number two. Um, wow. Funny that you mentioned them. Yeah, I've got Poor Things one, Color Purple two, Wonka three, Barbie four, Killers of the Flower Moon five. Um, I think I got Maestro six, Napoleon seven, Priscilla eight, Ferrari nine, Iron Claw ten. Those are my top ten right now. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Probably gets left out. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have it. I have it. Where do I? Seventeen. So yeah, nothing. It could get nominated. I don't expect it to win. I think for me, I think Poor Things opens as a favorite. Uh, I'm with you though. I think we're gonna have a one-two punch between it and Barbie. Yeah. And I think this might actually be a market that has two minus values at the top, where you see Ooh, something like when it opens. Yeah, I think you know you see something like um, Poor Things minus one twenty-five, Barbie minus one ten, and then yeah. the rest. So you know we've seen that a few times. The one that stands out for me is a best sound. A few years ago, Sound of Metal was right minus mm-hmm. 120 favorite right there um, with, I forget what else, but it ended up winning. So I think with costume design, let's see what the market opens these as, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Poor Things and Barbie pretty much lead the charge as a two uh, a two horse race in this market. Yeah, I think rightfully so. They should be the two uh, favorites. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, we move down to makeup hairstyle. So I have Poor Things number two, not number one for hairstyle makeup. It did get shortlisted. Uh, for hairstyle and makeup, along with a few others. I actually have Maestro winning this. Um, I know you like Oppenheimer. I have Maestro, Poor Things, Oppenheimer. That's my top three. All three have been shortlisted. Um, I know Ferrari was pretty good as well. Curse of the Flower Moon is going to be a threat. What is your take on makeup, hairstyle, and what do you think about Poor Things 
uh, in this market. I think it gets nominated. I think it could win. Uh, but I think Maestro is a little bit better in terms of the hairstyle and makeup. Yeah, I think, yeah, they have it listed one, two on, on variety as well. And I think that's right. Um, because Maestro, the, the amount of prosthetics they had to use for uh, Leonard Bernstein's character with, you know, Bradley Cooper um, is quite extensive. Uh, and it, you know, it looks very convincing, but in poor things, you have all this stuff going on with William Defoe is very yes. interesting. Uh, Bella, which is, you know, Emma Stone's character um, has a couple things that she has to, you know, she, she has like the stitches and stuff in her, in her neck and whatever, yep. but also like showing the difference of the stages of her life, you know, her life um, is important to, to show as well. So with Barbie not being in this category, for one, really opens up the category itself. It does. So, You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, man, Poor Things is a very interesting, like, little movie, isn't it? Because I think it could clean up in the, you know, this, this, it could. this below the line. So I think Maestro might open up as the favorite. And if it does, I might jump on Poor Things at that point. Just because I, like I like its chances in these, like, secondary markets. Because you see this a lot of these films that maybe don't win the big award, like Best Picture, but they really clean up on the below the line. Sort of like uh, All, All Quiet, Quiet on the Western, Western Front. Front. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yep. I think the for me, the winner for this category is the... There are a couple of things, actually. I think the hairstyle in Maestro is better. This is a two-part category, uh, mm -hmm. makeup and hairstyle. And I do think, you know, Poor Things had great makeup. I think Maestro had great makeup. But I also enjoyed the hairstyle from Maestro. Um, especially Carrie Mulligan's character from start yeah. to finish. That was huge. And then at the end uh, with Bradley Cooper, you brought up Leonard Bernstein, like the amount of prosthetics they've had to go through. How old they were able to make Bradley Cooper look right. at the very end, you know, when he's like a sweaty mess on the dance floor with, yeah. you know, teaching college kids. Mm -hmm. That to me, like that, that look like that felt a lot like the whale. Like, okay, yeah. that could, yeah. that could just win the whole thing right there, let alone everything else that we've experienced in the movie thus far. So for me, I think Maestro opens as a favorite. I'm with you. I do want to call attention, though. You mentioned Barbie got snubbed, which I completely agree with. I also want to throw Blackberry in there because Glenn Howerton's bald cap that I just <laughs> think deserves a shout out. And Jay Baruchel, his hair, you know, uh, you oh, mentioned yeah. it tells he a story. White. Yeah. yeah, which is really good to bring up, you know, the hairstyle makeup as it evolves through the film. It tells a story. It did that with Blackberry. And then for me, a big one, uh, James Gunn continued to be overlooked. Uh, in makeup hairstyle with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, so I think this is this really has opened up when you have that many snubs. But mm -hmm. again, I think for me, Maestro, I just think it's so strong, uh, even over Poor Things, that I think it takes this award. Yeah, I might eke it out there. Yeah. So what's next? I, they don't. Well, they don't have a song, unfortunately. So we don't. <laughs> we can't do that. It also did not get shortlisted for Best Sound. Uh, however, it did get shortlisted for. Is it visual Score? effects? It did get shortlisted oh. for visual, visual effects. effects. Got it. Now, mm -hmm. I had Oppenheimer number one. It did not get shortlisted, unfortunately. Right. Um, poor things Stupid. I have number three right now behind Godzilla minus one. I think right now Godzilla minus one might take visual effects. Poor things, though, I think is a sneaky solid pick here. It doesn't blow you away with all these visual effects, but they're there. Uh, you and I mentioned the bubbles that William Defoe is burping throughout mm -hmm. the movie. Um, there's a lot of just hidden visual effects in this yeah. film that are done very, very well. Um, even some of it goes to the production design as well. So what are your thoughts about poor things in the visual effects category? I don't know if it gets nominated, but again, I have it at number three. 
So I think it could be a sneaky pick for this category. I think so too. I mean, like, I'm not going to go off the variety list. I mean, you can go off the variety list for your purposes because number one, they have listed Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse winning this category. Number four so. for me there. Look at that. Um, I think Godzilla where, minus do, where one do they is, have? Uh-huh. Sorry, where do they have Godzilla minus one? They uh, haven't. They on haven't been nominated. They have it in the top five. It's it should win. I think. See, well, but I think Personally. the problem is not that it's in Japanese, but that that I don't know. It just feels like too much of a blockbustery film, but it's not like an American blockbuster. So they'd rather give it to like the creator or Spider Man, you know, across the Spider Verse. I don't know. It's a, it's a really weird way of looking so, at it because they yeah, kind of. But just, they do think of that that way. Yeah, like I feel like this is one of those awards where they want to award the blockbusters. This is kind of like the Marvel award. Where it's it like, is oh, Marvels like, to lose, typically. Yeah, but I mean, not this year, though. Not this, Well, I guess Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is a Mar- Marvel. Well, actually, it's technically, I'm looking at it, a Sony picture. Correct. So that's important to note. Yeah, the Marvel but, studios I mean, they, that yeah. got nominated for visual effects this year are the Marvels, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, and Ant-Man, and the Wasp, Quantumania. Mm-hmm. I think I personally have the Marvels ranked number five right now because anytime you can get water twisting up through a space portal <laughs> and make it look cool like you get bonus yeah. points for that but i sure. do think guardians of the galaxy volume three uh has a really good chance to be nominated in this as well yeah i think because they have poor things kind of on the outside looking in i can see it maybe sneaking in but i don't think it's going to win this category there's too many yeah because yeah. it's like more of an art house film and exactly. i feel like they really want to give this to like one of the big blockbusters that came out in theaters kind of thing so mission impossible um, i think yeah. is a very good possibility i think wonka right up there too the creator might get a nomination here. right i think some of the shortlist films that might get list left out are kind of the art house films you mentioned uh you mentioned poor things you mentioned killers or you didn't mention but killers of the flower moon would probably you know go into that category past lives the boys in the boat i feel like these are some of the ones that you can ignore uh for this category for sure yeah i like i'll i like spider-man across the spider-verse in that one Ooh, you got Spider-Man winning that one, eh? I mean, now that now that Oppenheimer's not in, Spider-Man's got a a, a beeline for it. You know, I think Spider-Man uh, is one of the best movies this year. <laughs> not um, just you; a I lot would, of people think that is like I a lot of film. That hill. <laughs> yeah, a, lot of, a lot of film nerds are really high on that movie. But, it's great, uh, and I will yeah. I will gladly die on that hill with my one hundred to one ticket for best picture. With that said, I think Godzilla minus one is the best visual effects and. The reason I say that is because of the style. You have Godzilla himself, which is, you know, CGI computer generation. Yeah. I mean, though, when Godzilla's underwater moving, the waves move, the, even the, 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 the wind blowing on the humans that are on a boat and their hair is going everywhere. It's, it's so many visual effects, not just computer generated, but practical as well. And I know you love practical effects. And a practical visual effects uh, movie won the award last year. That was uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. So I think for me, Godzilla, it really does a good job of utilizing the different styles of visual effects. Um, even Godzilla walking through the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just amazing to me uh, and throwing stuff as well. So for me, Godzilla minus one takes it. Um, it's nice to see it gets nominated with variety, but yeah. I'm with you. I, like as much as I think Godzilla should win this award, uh, I, I think they're going to lean elsewhere. You're looking at things like Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Mission Impossible, Wonka, The Creator, and dare I say, Poor Things. I think it's, yeah. I think Poor Things is right on that borderline. Um, I could see it winning, sneaking in, but I'm with you. I think it's a little too art housey of a film to actually take this award. 
All right. So what do we got? Score? We have score coming up next? That's it. Oh, did they did they get shortlisted for score? Uh actually good call. Let me take a look. They did. They got shortlisted yeah. for score. Well, let me pull up my best score rankings and see. Which I mean, honestly, so while you're doing that, I mean, just for everybody out, this is the disclaimer to everybody. Uh, Ludwig <laughs> Gorgensen's going to win this for Oppenheimer. This is Oppen- um, that's Oppenheimer, right? Yeah, like yeah. I've just seen on like film, Twitter, everywhere, loves the can you yeah. hear the music part of the film, which is essentially the the score of the film. Uh, just looks fantastic and moves the story. It's so awesome that when like it starts, it's like, can you hear the music? And then like they start the music and they start moving the camera <laughs> and it goes into this whole like montage of him learning about, you know, physics and, you know, theory and all this other stuff. And it just, it's like now we go like that's how it felt but i've, um, I've read life changing yeah. on twitter I, i've read oh my the, God. the score from oppenheimer has changed my life well, um, well so i'd maybe, love maybe to talk to that person to relax a little bit but it maybe is very they... good and i mean honestly like people say they listen to it in the car i don't think it's that good but you know put up t- put together with the film it's really good. No judgment uh, here. I listen to yeah. all the best original songs uh, when I walk my dog. So. Oh no, that's cool. I I I like. I'll listen to like the best scores <laughs> like ever made. Um, so like John, like a lot of John Williams and stuff. Those are bangers. Those I would listen to in the car. Uh, but like some stuff, <laughs> it takes a while to marinate. But I can uh, see that. But, I, I am yeah. happy though. The boy and the heron got shortlisted for best score because I thought mm-hmm. it was an easy best sound contender, and it didn't get shortlisted for that. So. Yeah. You know, at least someone's listening to something with that film um, that stood out to them. I don't. I'm with you. I think Oppenheimer is probably going to take it. I have it at number two just because I like Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. Uh, but number three, I do have Poor Things right above Spider Man and right above The Boy and the Heron. Those are actually my top five. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if those five uh, got in for best original score. I'm not putting money on Poor Things though. I don't think no. the score was a standout for me at all. No, not at all. Like I, if if it's not Oppenheimer, then it's going to be Spider Man Across the Spider Verse or Killers of the Flower Moon. Or holdovers. I think those, or hold. I mean, holdovers is cool, but it just doesn't feel big enough. And I feel like this category, it's one of those like, if you have a movie that's big, something like Killers of the Flower Moon or Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, I think those get edged. They get the edge over something a little bit quieter and smaller. Yeah. Than like the the holdovers. So, that's true. The the, yeah. the like even past lives, it didn't get not. It didn't make the short list, but I think the score for that kind of fits what you're saying. A very small, intimate movie where the score is very light where right. when we're looking for a winner for best score we want something that stands out and it's right. bold Grand and, and that damn horn yeah was from, bold yeah <laughs> from all quiet on the western front last right. year golly so uh, i think we did we run through all the um possible categories for these yeah what, what's more what's worse though the uh the the horns from the world cup in south africa or the uh the horn from all quiet south south africa west, that yeah. was tough for the that was a tough whole one. summer that was the name of it by the way I you're 20 days in it's just yeah. it was a lot it was just so much of that night just dun, dun, dun. it's like okay i get it it's a good movie by the way 20 days in Mar- marpole is yes um like projected to be nominated which is, is it the number one documentary? Because I have it at number one right now. The only other one they have in front of it is another one that you really liked, and that's American Symphony. Ooh, okay. So yeah. I think while we're because we're never going to talk about documentaries, we might as well bring it up right now. Um, I actually have Twenty Days in Marpool at number one right now, ahead of Bobby mm-hmm. Wine, The President's People, uh, which I have at number two, and then I have American Symphony. I think four or five. So I think, I think. That American Symphony uh, is going to miss best score. Uh, it got shortlisted. I don't think it's going to get on the best score. 
I think it's going to get nominated for best song. I think it's going to win best song. I'm saying it right now over the Barbie songs. Over, oh my goodness. Over everything. I think Jean Baptiste has the peers, the peer voting in his corner. But I think it's going to lose Best Documentary to 20 Days in Marpool. Oh, boy. And I'm seeing, like, you're saying it's number two. 20 Days in Marpool is number two to American Symphony. I get that. And American Symphony could win. But with Best Documentary, like, you got to understand, this film was just two or three reporters in Marpool as it's being attacked by Russia. Yeah. And it's just, it's all, I told Brian this before we hopped on, it's the toughest watch I've ever had to do for a movie. Ever. It's very graphic, um, but it's very real and gritty. And I think those do well for documentaries. The story behind John Batiste and his wife is definitely a tearjerker. And it definitely makes you, you know, think and, and think deeply. But to me, I think the way with if, if I had to read how these awards are going to go, I think American Symphony gets its recognition because of John Batiste with the best song. And then I think 20 Days in Marpool gets best documentary. As of right now, things could change, yeah. but that's just kind of what I'm feeling and what I'm reading right now. So, uh, yeah, circle best documentary. Um, and if you want best song, feel free, uh, to yeah. take my advice if you want, but that's just kind of what I'm reading right now, what I think is going to happen. So, yeah, just going off of like historically of what the Oscars do with this category is really what is going on in the world at that exactly. time. Exactly. They really yeah. like to sort of, you know, highlight especially if there's like a war somewhere they try to highlight it. And if someone did a really well, a really good documentary about it where they had access that you didn't have anywhere else. Like I'm thinking of like the cove, which was like the, you know, the, the Japanese um, uh, dolphin thing. Um, it was like, you know, it was, you know, kind of in danger. And I feel like they like to reward the people who took on these dangerous tasks. And I right. think you're right with 20 Days of Maripole having a really good shot at winning this category. Um, so, yeah, if it comes out plus money, I might jump on it. And it yeah. got shortlisted for Best International Film uh, Ukraine oh, wow. submission, which it could also win that as well. Yeah. And that's, that's um, I feel like that's pretty rare, right? A doc- documentary also being nominated for Best it is. You know, International you Film. You know, a, a few years ago, Flea was the first film ever nominated for Best Documentary, Best Animated Film, and Best International Film. Wow. Now, we're, we've seen now this year two documentaries shortlisted for Best Documentary and Best International Film, uh, 20 Days in Marpool being one and Four Daughters being the other. So, yeah, it's it's rare. Um, it's even more rare when it happens twice in the yeah, same year. And then again, coming off the, the, the coattails of Flea, which was phenomenal. So yeah. um, we're kind of over time here. I'm sure Brian, yep. you'll do a good job editing this up. Uh, maybe we'll see. But uh, yeah, man, bring us home. All right. Yeah, guys, that was our Poor Things uh, Poor Things episode here on Box Office Bets, which I think actually Poor Things has a really good shot at being sort of a sneaky, you know, Hellraiser in all of these categories. <laughs> so keep an eye on it when we uh, when they do the nominations coming out later in January. But other than that, um, Tom, thank you so much for leading us on this episode. Really appreciate it. Um, you can follow him at underscore TJ. KC underscore. And then you can follow me at Brian Ortega LV on Twitter. Uh, but again, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on YouTube for the video versions. Obviously, if you're watching us, then thanks. Uh, but again, this is Box Office Bets. Have a good rest of your day. Cheers. Cheers.